0: Hi, Emily. <laughs> Hi, Chris. It's the Book Cougars coming at you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. This is the Book Cougars. Two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read and
0: good literary journeys Ura. or jaunts, jaunts, journeys, excursions. A good time. <laughs> And laughter
1: will be a thing, too, because that always blows people's eardrums. Exactly. We love to laugh. Sorry,
0: everybody. Yes, we're working on our sound control here. Yes, practicing. So we have to see how the pitch of each of our voices and our laughs. Hopefully people like our laughs. Yes.
1: We like to laugh. (laughs) We like to laugh a lot. We should have been recording our earlier discussion on what we would be naming because it was quite a hoot. Lots of laughter ensued. And we decided our book cougars.
0: <laughs> with a little concern, actually we thought it was hilarious, but there was a little concern that it might offend some. So we wanted to assure you that we are not of the cougar mentality. No. When it comes to young men or women and the hunt for them. We're just on the hunt for good books. We
1: thought it would be quite ironic
0: to go with book cougars. Especially if you knew what we looked like. <laughs>
1: Yeah. We're on the short side of the cougar image. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that.
0: <laughs> this is going to be impossible.
1: Oh, my God. Well, hopefully, we'll have a good editor to, yeah, to help it. us. To edit out yeah. the laughs.
0: We're going to have uh, multiple hours of bloopers available to everybody, and it's all going to be laugh track. Yes. <laughs> We think we're (laughs) hysterical. Who knew books could be so funny? So should we do a little discussion of how we met just to see what it feels like? Sure. Yeah. Okay.
1: I don't want to talk it to death though, just in case, like
0: when we're really recording it. Okay. But anyway, so how do we meet? Should this just be it? Did you want this to just be it? It could be. I just thought we could practice talking a little bit. Sure. So we don't have to talk about how we met.
1: No, that's fine. Mm-hmm.
0: But okay. what are we going to do? Are we going
1: to say, like, welcome to episode one of the Book, cu- book Cougars? Book Cougars. Oh, that's <laughs> with a good Emily idea. Chris? Like, are we going to say, welcome to the Book Cougars, two middle-aged women in search
0: of a good read? I I'm think, Chris. And I'm Emily. Now, also, do we say our first and last name? We just say our first name.
1: I don't know. I'm kind of comfortable with either okay i keep i don't know keeping it casual with the first names might be good but like mm-hmm. on the website or whatever i don't mind saying
0: first and last name at all okay okay let's so let's do an introduction okay can you introduce you and your lovely voice <laughs> me and my lovely voice i had a speech impediment
1: when i was a child i have a lisp and it still comes out every now and then when i'm nervous
0: i've so. never heard it you know jacob yeah. had severe speech delay as a kid yeah So I had a Mm. speech
1: therapist I used to have to go Mm to. So, so. All right, everyone. (laughs) Welcome to Secrets Uncovered. (laughs) All right, so uh, welcome to episode one of the book cougars.
0: (laughs) Two two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. One time I'm going to say for a good time. I just know I am. (laughs)
1: Good read, good time. I'm there. Good adventures. Yes, good adventures. So we're broadcasting from do we want to say where we are? Yeah. Shoreline. Connecticut, right smack dab, kind of in the middle of the shoreline. We're not saying where it is. Is that
0: scary? <laughs> oh, can we say Guilford? Yeah, Guilford, Gilford, Connecticut. Connecticut. Guilford, Connecticut, near New Haven. Kind of uh, dead center between Boston, New York, about an hour from Hartford. Um, once you're in New England, everything's kind of close together, mm-hmm. especially if you're originally from the Midwest, like yes. we are. Yes,
1: yes. We are both transplants. We should talk about that. Yes, we are. I'm from Illinois originally. And I was born and raised in Ohio. And we are transplants to Connecticut. I've been here three years. In December,
0: it'll be three years. And I've passed my one-year anniversary in June, so mm. I'm sneaking up on a year and a half. <laughs> so people are wondering, how did we meet? I'm sure they are. Indeed. <laughs> That'd be the first question I'd want to know about these book cougars. <laughs> <Ow>. <laughs>
1: Segments. And we'll tell you about those in a little bit. Um, yeah, so, but first, how we met. You're listening to a book podcast, and chances are, if you've listened to any book podcast, it's probably Books on the Nightstand with Anne and Michael. And... And... And if you were a listener of Books on the Nightstand, um, you probably know about Booktopia. They're Booktopia events.
0: Which and. I, I can't remember the tagline for those, but it, Booktopia was where a group of like, oh, and I guess I shouldn't say like-minded. Well, like-minded in the sense that they were all book-crazed individuals yes. and listeners of books on the nightstand would vie for a very limited number of tickets to a book event. Like, what, 80? I think it was 80, 80, to 90 maybe. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For a weekend filled with author discussions and um and good times with friends that like to talk about nothing but books books, yeah
1: yeah and not even like good friends people who didn't even know each other true good point who ended up becoming friends or you know not even like i went to what two or three three booktopias two booktopias with anna michael and one with the northshire when they took it over this last year and i've made some really good friends through booktopia through books on the nightstand. But there are also people that I don't really know that I'm friends with on Facebook. I know them by their face. Right. <laughs> and, like, we will wave and stuff face, at Booktopia book. and right. maybe say a sentence or two to each other.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, like, that's all cool, too. Yeah. Just to have that recognition mm-hmm. that there's another human being out in the world who is as book crazed. Right. As Action. I am. And yeah. who understands that. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Yeah. 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 So I think it was April of 2015 when we were both at the Booktopia in Vermont, up in Manchester, Vermont, <clears throat> and we were at the Inn at Manchester, which is where quite a few of the Booktopia events, well, I guess not too many of the events, but one main event was there and then many Booktopia attendees were staying there. And we were at the Friday night event. And I said to some of my friends that I was in the process of packing my house up because I was going to be moving to Guilford in June. And several of them said, Guilford, Connecticut? Yes, Guilford, Connecticut. Well, then you have to meet Chris. And they would point across this crowded room. (laughs) And me being, you know, five foot one, you can't see very far across a, a crowded room. So the whole weekend went by and we never actually met
1: we never met and i had people saying to me oh my god chris have you met emily yet and i would emily emily's moving to guilford she's from ohio and she's moving to guilford this summer it's like oh my god i have to meet emily and same thing never met yeah so um we did connect on facebook that sunday last morning all right i think it was on facebook and we said yeah. hi nice to meet you here um and you know, I think you said I'll reach out to you when I get to town. Right. And we did. We met for lunch at our local
0: taco truck. At the Actually, no. Grain. The first time we met was at Perk, what the coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. That no, was no, the really. first. The first okay. time we met was for coffee.
1: All right. Yeah. Wow. I was thinking it was at the taco. No, okay. I think
0: that might have been our second date. All
1: right. That was our second <clears> date. We had yeah. lunch on the green. We live in like a really picturesque little. Town with a
0: huge town green and little stores all around it. For any of you who are Gilmore Girl fans, people say to us all the time, "Oh, you went in search of your own Stars Hollow." Yeah, and it's kind of similar right now it's after kind of similar yes.
1: <laughs> yes, all the good things. Um, yeah, so we met and we hit it off. we had a good conversation. We always seem to have good conversations, and it's been over a year now that we've been in real life friends. And very nice, yeah, and then you know, Anne and Michael retired books on the nightstand, and we've been
0: lamenting the loss of that, and I don't know, it just came up on the well, I think it was actually ironic because we went back up to Northshire a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. on kind of our one of our first cold and stormy nights, we drove yes we drove seven hours round trip to go to a book event to go to a book event because we're crazy like that (laughs) (laughs)
1: hey you know it was a good event a great bookstore yes fabulous conversation yes yes
0: yes. and so we had seven hours to talk in the car i brought a book ironically of short stories to read to chris as she drove did we do that no No. we just (laughs) chatted the whole time um, Linda, if you're out there listening, that will sound reminiscent to you because we drove up to Petoskey, Booktopia, with hours and hours of audiobook at the ready, and drove there and back sixteen hours, I think, round trip, and didn't put in a single audiobook. Yeah, we talked plenty about books, but anyway. So on this drive back from Northshire, we said, "Hey, we should do a podcast."
1: Mm-hmm. Because we always laugh and have such a good time. And we have similar yet different reading tastes. Yes. Um, And we learn a lot from each other about different books and different authors to try. I'm currently in a Gretchen... What's her name? Gretchen Rubin. Gretchen Rubin. Um, I should note that what was her name is going to be a common (laughs) question that you hear on this podcast. Because we could just... Like, you know, when we were up at Northshire... Ruth Franklin was the name of the author. It was um we went to see, listen to her talk about her new biography on Shirley Jackson. And we're driving back and I turn to Emily and I'm like, "Wait, what was her name? You know, <laughs> what, did
0: what did we just see? What did we just see? What are we doing?" So that happens a lot because we remember the title um the subtitle of this podcast is 2 middle-aged women. And any of you who are not yet middle-aged, you don't know this, but you get to the point where you can't remember a friggin' thing. Yeah. Even if it just happened an hour ago. I know. And so, you know, sometimes when I, <laughs> it might even be like,
1: hey, 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 podcast host, co-host. <laughs> oh, Emily. Yeah,
0: hey, Emily. Yeah. It's not that bad, but anyway. Little aside, I happen to believe that if I ever ran for president, the first thing that I would say is that everybody in the world has to walk around with a name tag on. That would be. I think that'd be
1: excellent. Yeah, I love
0: functions I that have just name tags. Run on that platform. That's mm-hmm. my only platform. Yeah. Everybody in the world needs to wear a name tag. <laughs> I like that.
1: I think it also makes people feel really welcome.
0: Yes, I you know? agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. 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 So
1: um, I don't know what we were just talking about before. <laughs> <laughs> Another common that, refrain that happens. So okay,
0: um, so let, well, maybe we need to cover some um, some game rules. Is that a word? <laughs> game, rules. game rules? No, game rules? Well, that sounds well, good to me. I used to be an athlete. <laughs> rules of the game. Rules of the game. Um, rules of the road. No, that's not the word I'm looking for. Maybe we should establish some boundaries <laughs> or lack thereof. <laughs> good segue into the the world of cussing. Oh, cussing. Um, Chris and I like to cuss. We do, and I'm not going to apologize for it. Um I think that we need to be careful about the amount of cussing we do but we do want to warn any of you that listen with children in the car that um words come up
1: yeah we are not into banishing any words we mm-hmm.
0: like all words and just like literature is filled with all sorts of words lots of cussing too yes so
1: but we haven't cussed yet and I don't mm-hmm. know how long it's been but good point yeah, yeah. fucking a
0: <laughs> god damn right <laughs> Oh, right. Actually, I should really probably not use the Lord's name in me, But you know I what? don't usually do.
1: But. In the 1970s, if you watch films from the 70s, which we love to do because they're so bad but so good, there's a lot of goddamns in it. Really? Goddammit, Janet, fly the plane. <laughs> <laughs> airport. you see the airport movies? Yes. Not airplane, but airport. You got to... Oh. Because uh, that's another thing. When you get to be middle-aged, you start saying things like... Yeah, the, the young people I know didn't realize that airplane, the comedy, was actually based on the success of the airport movies.
0: Mm, young people, <laughs> youth of America, the young people. <laughs> <laughs> Any well, young people out there? We'd love for you to listen to yes. us. <laughs> we're we're pretty
1: cool, middle aged women, if we don't say so ourselves. I'm fifty. I should. I'm fifty.
0: This is Chris. I turned fifty in March, and I'm forty seven turning 48 in january nice good mm. way to start the new year yeah Damn. that's right that's right all right all right should we take a break and sure. not use all of our materials <laughs> how do i stop it <laughs> <laughs> all right welcome to episode one of the book cougars i'm emily and i'm chris and we're coming at you from guilford connecticut <laughs> Woohoo! woo-hoo! <laughs> Go Connecticut! It snowed last night. It did snow last night. I don't think it was supposed to snow, but it did. Yeah, so it's already gone, but it was pretty. Know, it's December in yes. Connecticut, so it does things like that. So um, I thought we would start off uh, by first just talking about what the the format of our podcast is going to be. We're going to have five ses- sections. The first is we'll talk each talk about what we just read. And then the next one is what we're currently reading. The third section will be about recent literary adventures. Chris and I both like to adventure together and separately. And then we'll talk about upcoming jaunts that we have and upcoming reads sounds good all right yeah. so do you want to go first with what you just read chris yeah sure thing
1: i i just read well three books really i don't know how far back we want to go should i talk about all three or sure one or yeah. pick one? there's no rules okay no rules um so the first book i read recently was fanny flags fried queen
0: <laughs> queen Fried <laughs> queen oh, no everywhere! <laughs> Sorry, Chris. All right, uh, wipe <laughs> that away. We're sitting yeah. at a small table, in which I just <laughs> spit at my host. I'm in the movie so we're all good.
1: Anyway, so, okay, so um, I just read Fanny Flags' Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe. I received a free copy of her latest book called The Whole Town's Talking I Wanted on Goodreads. The publisher had a giveaway, and they included a nice mass-market copy of Fried Green Tomatoes, which I had read back in the day when it was popular. This book came out in 1987. And the movie was made in the early 90s. It was so popular. And due to election fallout, I was kind of looking for a nice comfort read, um, something that was familiar, something that I knew I would enjoy. So this book came at the right time. I started reading it right away and enjoyed it just as much as the first time I read it. Uh, For those of you who don't know about Fried Green Tomatoes, it's a story that's told kind of in two layers. There's Evelyn Couch, who's a middle-aged overweight graying housewife who is feeling kind of stuck in her life and not really feeling valued anymore. her, her in her in the book, I think she has two kids. I'm not sure. maybe mm-hmm. just one kid I don't even remember already. Um, but the kid's gone. Um, the husband's really not interested in a relationship. He's kind of on his own automatic pilot. But they go to visit I'm talking too much aren't I? No. Okay. No.
0: I'm I'm looking at you cuz I watched the movie and I don't remember the, her character. I remember the people working at the cafe. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so while Evelyn Couch,
1: they go to visit her aunt or his aunt actually in a, in a nursing home and she's sitting in the the waiting room or the common room because she doesn't really get along with Ed her husband's aunt slash mother depending on whether you're watching the book or the movie and there she runs into uh, Mrs. Threadgood who is a resident of the home she's a 83 year old widow as she calls herself and she's there with her friend uh, Mrs. Otis I believe is the name from Whistle Stop Um, so she kind of went with her friend to just kind of keep her company and so the two women start talking, and Evelyn Couch is resistant at first to having somebody talking with her, but she gets hooked into Mrs. Threadgood's story about Iggy and Ruth from Whistle Stop. And Iggy and Ruth, I think, you know, they are the main show. Right. The main, the heart of the book, really. They're the heart of the book, I should say. And their story takes place from like the, what, the 1920s through the 30s, 40s. Uh, in Whistlestop, Alabama is where all this is going on. So Evelyn kind of has an experience through Mrs. Threadgood's stories. But again, the heart of the novel is Iggy and Ruth and their story of how they came to meet and, and help each other and create this whole community of, I guess some people could say misfits in some ways, uh, but one of the things that makes this book so timely today, I think, is that it deals a lot with race relations.
0: Right.
1: And I think some people could say that um, this book might be a bit of a utopic. Look at race relations. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, uh, the community that they create is just loving, you know, black people, white people, everybody's kind of mixed together for the most part with with certain, um, I can't
0: think of my word right now. I I think I'm talking too much about this book. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. Um, but. So she's thinking, she's talking back in time, right? Is yeah. That, that's the piece yeah, that I write. So, forget. so okay. I forget about those characters because I forgot about the nursing home piece that she's going back in time mem- remembering. And that's the part that takes place at the whistle stop. Yes. Yeah. So it's like yeah. the memories going back. Right. And in the book, actually, how things
1: are done, it's, it's through a, um, a newspaper article like a gossip column by a woman named dot weems who writes for the whistle stop um the weems weekly so it's like their weekly Uh, bulletin so she's telling stories about what's going on in town then there's just straightforward like narrative fiction you know kind of telling more stories there's mrs threadgood talking about what's going on
0: It's Alabama. There are scenes in Chicago too. Um, Okay. See, it's interesting. I've read Fanny Flag. I don't know if I've read this book. I know that I saw the movie and loved the movie. Yeah. So the movie is
1: it's one of my favorite adaptations of all time. It's just it's a gorgeous movie, Um, and it. And it stays pretty close to the book for the most part. So, so. did you re watch the movie after I reading it? Yeah, I did. I think I yeah. would have to do that too. I, if I did that. I used to regularly watch the movie, and uh-huh. it's been a f- several years since I've watched it probably maybe five years since I've watched it. They used to be the one I'd go to when I needed a good cry because uh-huh. yeah. it does, there yeah. are some hard parts in the book. Um, but in terms of the race relations, Iggy and Ruth are. I guess you'd call them progressives. You know, they're idgy. Some of the African-American people who are servants to the Thread Goods become like family to her, and she actually lives with them when she's having a hard time recovering from the death of her brother, which, you know, spoiler alert, but it happens really kind of early on in the movie anyway.
0: I think we're supposed to say spoiler alert before we have a spoiler. Yeah. Sorry.
1: <laughs> Oops. <laughs> um, but, and it, there are other uh, side stories coming off of the main story. Um, mm-hmm. One of the characters, uh, one of the African-American characters has two boy children who are twins. And those boys have very different life experiences. One of them does end up in Chicago a little bit. Um the other one in a in a city, he's attracted to that. Actually, I think that's the same guy, and I'm kind of mixing mm-hmm. them together. But anyway, very different experiences mm-hmm. that that kind of show what was going on um, with parts of the African American community in our country in the 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, so that was interesting too. And then there's Smoky Lonesome, who's a, a guy who rides the rails. Oh, right. Um, and he yeah. ends up in
0: Chicago actually too. Which is, of course, a big train hub. It's also That's where Chris is originally from, Yes, our listeners out there. And so that must have been kind of a nice little yeah. um, piece to the book as well. Yeah, absolutely. I grew up yeah. actually right next to the train yards in
1: Cicero, which is just outside of Chicago. So I love the, train, the sounds of trains. And that's one of the things I miss about where I live right now is I don't hear trains at all. You just have to hang out at my house. I hear them all the time Apparently, here. I'm yeah. close to the tracks, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so fried green tomatoes uh by fanny flag if you're looking for a feel-good book i totally recommend it really enjoyed reading it i'll be quicker about the other two books i read okay. real quick i read pride and prejudice by jane austen good I, for you yes woo! <laughs> i read it as part of um i participate in a i should mention i'm a book blogger and i participate in a group called our classics club where people commit to reading uh classics and writing about them on their blogs and so jane austen came up in the last classics club spin and i was really happy to read it it's one that i've been wanting to read and i so enjoyed it i've seen all the movie adaptations i've listened to the audiobook um so reading the book was like hanging out with an old friend but nice. I, I really enjoyed it, and it don't,
0: wait don't leave people hanging what's yes. your
1: book blog
0: Oh, book blog is wildmoobooks.com. Check it out. She's a badass blogger. <laughs> Thank you for that. I can brag for you since you, <laughs> since you won't
1: brag for yourself. <laughs> um, yeah, it's fun. I love blogging. It's been, I think, six or seven years I've been doing it, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, and then the other book, very quickly, is uh, Martin Luther's Travel Guide. It is uh, by Cornelia Doomer is the woman's name. It just came out, celebrating the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther's Reformation. So this is a guidebook that takes you to the major spots dealing with his life from his birth all over Germany to his death. It talks about the major cities, what happened there, small towns too, I should say. And it's also kind of a nice introduction to his life, to his theology and his politics, and also what life was like in the Middle Ages. Because oh. next year, October thirty first, twenty seventeen, is the five hundredth anniversary of him nailing his ninety five theses to the church door.
0: Five hundred year anniversary. Five hundred years.
1: He did it October thirty first, fifteen seventeen. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So.
0: So one thing you'll learn as you listen to our podcast is that Chris is the history buff. <laughs> In the group. So um, anything that comes out of her mouth that's about history wows me because I have no memory for history. I wish I did. I wish I'd paid more attention in school. Um, so I learned a lot by listening to you. And where we live in Guilford is a very historical part of the country. Yeah. Buildings here are old, very old. We have one of the
1: homes here is, was built in 1639, which is the year our town was established and it's uh, the oldest stone home in New England I
0: believe and the oldest house in Connecticut. Are we talking about the the Whitfield Museum? Yeah, yeah the Whitfield. Oh, house, see yeah. I see this is how I'm not a student of history because I thought it was the oldest stone home in North America. It could be that a lot of the Native American
1: dwellings out west date older. Okay. And and some of them uh, you know they're carved into some of the rock and adobe so I'm not really sure. I, I know that they're careful to say the oldest in New England. Okay. So I just, you know, so. this is why I'm not a student of history, yeah. because well, I a, don't remember the details. That's
0: a great question, <laughs> though. And
1: I should, uh, the next time I'm there, ask one of the rangers yeah. What? Um, why they, you know, say New England and not North America. Yeah.
0: It's a very cool museum, and it's a beautiful old building. Yeah. So, and It's, it's cool. fun to think about what happened there mm-hmm. over the years. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Stuff is old around here. (laughs) Well, those all sound like three great reads. I just read um, Small Great Things by Jodi Pico. I got to hear Jodi Pico at Books and Company in Dayton, Ohio, years ago, and she said that you pronounce her last name like Pico-T. The problem for me is I don't often order... Pico Tea at restaurants, so I'm not sure if it's pronounced Pico or Pico, Piku. Pico. Anyway, Jodi Pico. And the reason that I read this book is because I read a review by Roxane Gay in the New York Times Book Review. And Roxane Gay is is an author that I really admire. She's an African-American woman. Um, she wrote a book called The Untamed State, a fiction book, which is pretty amazing. Um, also, a, a book of essays called Bad Feminists. But she's a, an African-American woman. Jodi Pico is a white woman of privilege. Um, the title of the book, Small Great Things, comes from a Martin Luther King quote, If I cannot do great things, I can do small things in a great way, which is a fantastic quote. That's a great quote, yeah. And so um, this is a book that is about race relations. So interesting that you read uh, Fried Green Tomatoes, which has that as a theme. Mm-hmm. And I read this as a theme as well. And um, in the author's note, Jodi Picou talks about... Pico talks about... Um, Just call her Jodi. Jody, uh, Jody, Jody. Jody <laughs> My friend Jodi talks about... Um, How she recognizes her position as a privileged white woman and recognizes that a lot of her readers are white women. And she has wanted for 20 years actually to write a book about race relations in the United States and started writing one about 20 years ago and then just didn't feel like she could do it justice. So um, when she decided she wanted to face that subject again, she did a lot of interviews with people. And um, I really enjoyed the book. Her books, to me, are kind of palate cleansers. Mm-hmm. They're easy reads. They, uh, they're, they're all very similar in the sense that she takes turns with characters and perspectives in different chapters. And um, so this, the, the main uh, focus of this book is on the character named Ruth, who is an African-American nurse. Interestingly, in New Haven at oh, really? Yale New Haven Hospital.
1: Wow. Um,
0: for those of you who don't know, we live about 20 minutes from New Haven. So um, that was kind of a fun little interesting aside. Jody Pico is from New England. I believe she lives in New Hampshire. And so um, it was kind of fun to be reading about an area that I very much know. Yeah. So Ruth is, um, she's a, a Yale nursing student, um, or graduate, I should say, of the Yale Nursing School, very well educated. She grew up um, in, not in, as a, a person of privilege, her mother, as a matter of fact, all the years of her life worked as a maid for a very wealthy white family, mm-hmm. but um, Ruth was very intelligent and got a scholarship and went to private school and then became a nurse. But she's the only black nurse in in the labor and delivery unit of the hospital where she works. A couple comes in in the middle of childbirth. Actually, the baby is born, and then Ruth comes in to work her shift where she's to be taking care of the newborn, and the couple are white supremacists. Oh, my gosh. So, um, as you might imagine, that leads to a few problems, and so the the rest of the book, deals with a situation that comes up which I won't spoil and there's a bit of a courtroom drama which is kind of a um, something I really enjoy in a good read Mm. and um, and what I think what what Roxanne Gay talks about in her review and what I can say that I definitely feel like happened for me in reading this book is it really made me evaluate my own biases and um, and made me recognize which is something I've always believed that we can't ever know what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. I don't know what it's like to be a white man. I don't know what it's like to be a black man. I don't know what it's like to be a black woman. And so I think that this book really, um, although it may have had, um, you know, Roxane Gay has some issues with the book, but in my opinion, um, it was really well written and has really made me reevaluate how I look at things. So I enjoyed it very much. Again, Small Great Things by Jody Pico. Mm-hmm. It sounds really
1: good. Yeah. It, it's fascinating, too. Um, you know, people, they think of the KKK, white supremacists, as being more of a Southern thing, traditionally. Mm. And I think, you know, fried green tomatoes, you know, hits that. Um, but talking about white supremacists in Connecticut, uh, there's a, a Facebook page for our town, Simply Guilford. Mm. And somebody posted on that not too long ago pictures of the KKK marching in our town green, I think in the 70s or 80s. So I think some people might think, oh, that white supremacist in New Haven? No way.
0: But obviously. Well, I just read in the paper that in Brantford, which is the town over from us, the week after our most current election, swastikas were painted in red on the highway and on a building, yeah, um, and that's a town ten minutes from where we live. And that, yeah, there was something in a school in New Haven as well. Swastikas mm-hmm. painted yeah. in
1: the school, yeah, just, just horrifying.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting that you and I both chose to read these books about race. Maybe that was a, a either a conscious or subconscious reaction mm-hmm. to our election. Absolutely, we won't get too political yet. We, <laughs>
1: yeah, no promises. <laughs> reading would you like to go first yeah sure i'll go first um i am currently reading she's come undone by wally lamb and it's my first wally lamb novel he's been on my radar forever i mean obviously he's you know an oprah pick
0: um, and that book was published what did we just look it was published in 1992
1: yeah so it's been around for quite a while um and i i finally picked it up because we're in Connecticut, and he's a Connecticut writer for one. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about an upcoming event with him. So uh, I'm about halfway through the book, and it's it's an, it's an amazing book. I mean, he's an amazing writer. pulls you right into this world with this the main character. Her name is Dolores, and uh, it's just really it's hard and depressing. It's a tough
0: book. It is a tough book. It is. Yeah, um, I read it years ago, but I remember that was my impression.
1: Yeah, so I I'm uh, I, but so many people have loved it. So and it's not that I have any desire to to put it down. I want to keep reading. I'm very engaged. But wow, there yeah. there's some
0: things that happen that are just big zingers. Yeah. So. Yeah. Excellent. Well, yeah. ironically, I'm reading Wally Lamb's new book, <laughs> "I'll Take You There," which was just published. I think two weeks ago. Okay. Um and um I too am reading it because of our upcoming event which I know you guys are dying to know what it is we'll tell you soon um and it's really good it's about um the premise of it is that he the main character whose name I can't remember right now is a movie not a movie critic he's a an academic he teaches movie the, um, theory and that sort of thing in a college setting and it, too, takes place in Connecticut, which mm. is interesting. Uh, so two the two books I've most recently read took place in Connecticut, or take place, I should say, in Connecticut. Um, and so he goes to a movie theater where he has a Monday night movie screening. It's like an um, entertainment club, a group that people are join, and they watch old movies and silent movies and things like this. And it's at a famous... Mm old theater where silent movies used to be shown cool. and he's sitting there and ghosts arrive and they start showing him movies of his childhood. Oh, wow. Which is a way for him to go back in time and evaluate his childhood. So it's, it's a good book. And one of the things I admire about Wally Lamb, cause I've read some of his other books. I haven't read all of his books, but I admire that um, he, like Ann Patchett, the author Ann Patchett, his books are all very different. And when authors do that, I think that's really amazing that yeah. they have that skill set. And he also has published two books. Um, I think of essays from women in a correctional mm-hmm. facilities in uh, Connecticut mm-hmm. where he volunteers, and I think that's pretty cool. I've never um, looked at either of them, but I've always wanted to. So yeah, he's a, he's a big force here in Connecticut. Yeah, I,
1: when I shortly after I moved and went to the eye doctor for the first time here, the woman who was Fitting my new eyeglasses. When she found out I'm, I was a reader. She was all about Wally Lamb, and that I just really needed to start reading him.
0: Yeah. So. Oh, that's so interesting. And you know, we um, Chris brought a bookmark here today that has on the back. It's for his new book that I'm reading, and it has you know tons of events. Like every library in the state of Connecticut is hosting him, so he's yeah, going to be a busy a guy over the next couple months on yes. this book tour. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he even goes out of the state. I'm sure he does, but they're keeping him busy in this state for now. Absolutely. Wow. All the way through February, he has stuff going on here. Yeah. And then I'm also reading, and I use the term reading when I'm listening. I believe oh, when yeah. you listen to an audiobook, you have read the book. I know there's some people who disagree with that statement, but I'm listening to a young adult book called Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. By Benjamin allier Science, I think is how you pronounce his last name. It's S-A-E-N-Z. The narrator is Lynn manuel Miranda. Very cool. Of Hamilton fame, for any of you that are Broadway aficionados. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really fun to listen to. I have a very bad habit of listening to my audiobooks on 1.25, because... <laughs> There's a lot to listen to and read in the world, people, yes. so I do it a little quicker because um, I'm impatient. Uh, actually, I have a funny story. Jacob and I, my son Jacob and I did a little road trip when he came to visit me here. We drove up to visit friends of ours in Maine, and I got us the audiobook Before the Fall, which a lot of people were talking about this summer, mm-hmm. kind of a um, a thriller, action-packed book about a plane crash, of all things.
1: I've seen it on a lot of best of 2016 lists.
0: Yeah, the author um, is famous for a TV show, which is escaping me right now. I don't know. I can't remember. Right. Oh, no help. Yeah. And um, so we, you know, I have my, I listen to audiobooks on my telephone. My telephone. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's an old fashioned term. On my rotary telephone, <laughs> I listen to my audiobooks. <laughs> Somebody didn't even pay me. <laughs> telephone, sure. <laughs> I dial the audiobooks in. <laughs> on my cell phone I download the audiobooks and so I have my setting at 1.25 so Jacob and I are literally pulling out of the driveway he had the first leg and I turn on the audiobook and it starts playing (laughs) Jacob just turned and looked at me and I said I listened to them on 1.25 and he's like what is wrong with you so for his benefit I did turn it down to the one point normal speed but turned it back up the next time I downloaded an audiobook so So again, that's Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe. Um, it's a young adult book, and I'm really enjoying it.
1: I don't. I when I listen to audiobooks, I I can't go the higher speeds usually. Really, I don't know why. <laughs> it just
0: blows your mind. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Well, I, everybody sounds like hamsters usually. Yeah, you know, that's true. there's that. And, and um, I feel
0: badly because I think part of the point of listening to this one with Lin Manuel Miranda is like maybe you should enjoy his voice because he's a Broadway <laughs> performer. Sorry, I'm enjoying it at 1.25. <laughs> I'll
1: have to try that because I'm on the. Uh, I'm on the hunt for a new audiobook. I have a new credit, so oh, okay. I have to figure out what to listen to next.
0: Yeah, it's so. a really lovely story. So this is my question, though. Are you a fast reader or a slow reader? I think I'm very
1: average. Okay. I think I'm pretty average. I timed it one time, and I think it's like 40, 50 pages an hour when it's fiction. Okay. And it's been a while, but I, okay. I used to be very much wanting to increase my speed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that changed, and I decided I really want to enjoy the language. I want to enjoy the story. Mm-hmm. I want to stop and think and ponder here and there. So I don't read fast, but I, I read a lot. I, yeah. I try to make at least an hour or two a day
0: to read. Yeah. So... Because someone suggested to me that's why I listen at a faster speed is because I'm a fast reader and I don't know I've never timed my reading so I don't know the answer
1: to that. Yeah, you should time it sometimes. It's interesting. I mean, so much of it depends on what you're reading, of course.
0: Obviously, you
1: know if it's if it's well written prose versus
0: a history book, I probably would read very quickly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding, Chris. I'm glad you read history. You make me smarter.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. Never mind. I was going to say something snarky, but I won't. Okay.
0: Okay. (laughs) Snarks allowed. But, you know, usually if you question whether you should be snarky, it's always good to ponder. Okay. So I'll I'll share what I was going to say. (laughs)
1: Lesbian-splaining. Okay. You want to hear about this? Sure. Okay. You've heard about mansplaining. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, my wife has recently decided that I lesbian-splain things to her. (laughs) As does...
0: (laughs) As does I have never heard our that good to... friend
1: Kristen. Okay. Yes. So we were, the three of us were talking one time and I was going on about something and then Kristen started going on about something and Laura stopped and she's like, oh, you guys are like lesbian splainers, just like mansplainers. So it's really quite funny. And was this about history? Is that why you're bringing that up?
0: or was It, it might
1: have been about history. That's where I do it the most. Okay. It's about historic things. Like I'll be driving around with my mom and Laura and I'll start talking about something and they roll their eyes and give each other the look. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, I, I used to give a hell of a tour of
0: Chicago. Yeah. People used to love my tours, my driving tours around the city. See, so. I like it when people explain things to me about history. I just hope that they're not offended that I won't remember any mm-hmm. of it. Because that's my problem with history is I have no retention. <laughs> as long as I can keep talking and you keep listening. it's a great friendship right there, I tell you. <laughs> I think I've told you this. One time We were I was visiting Israel and we had a tour guide. And we had this little bus. And we would go to these incredibly famous places. You know, historically famous, mm-hmm. not, you know famous, famous. And he would go on and on and on about them. And then we'd get back in the bus. And if you had asked me where we just were, it was gone. It was completely gone. I could tell you about what I just ate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but what I saw, no, no, completely gone. No retention for that yeah. kind of stuff. I, I'm, I'm not proud of it. I wish that I did have retention. For but that. you, you,
1: you do, You did tell me a story about reading a book that was set somewhere that you'd been in Israel. Some didn't you tell me yes. about something? Well, so, that's,
0: that's a great segue. To oh, yes. my most recent <laughs> biblio adventure, if I may. Sure. Yes, what you're talking about is Alice Hoffman's book, The Dove Keepers. Oh, right. And that Hoffman. took place on Masada, mm-hmm. which is in Israel, a fantastic old um, fortress where unfortunately people, everyone there, died. Mm-hmm. Um, But it was very interesting to walk around the ruins and at the same time be reading this historical fiction about... The Masada. It was very interesting, and I just had the honor of hearing Alice Hoffman last week in new york city um, she was She has a new book out called Faithful, which I did read, and um, it 's kind of for those of you who are alice hoffman 's fans it 's a classic alice hoffman there 's a little touch of magical realism, which is one of the things she 's kind of known for and the event was really nice. it was at a synagogue and Unbeknownst to me, I just thought it was a stop on her book tour, but it was actually a series that they're having where authors talk about their writing life and um, how they became authors and how they write and what they write and that sort of thing. So she spoke a lot about her writing career, which for me being a super fangirl was really interesting and Mm -hmm. a a pleasant surprise. Um, And one of the things she talked about was that um, she grew up in Long Island, and um, went to Adelphi University, and then she got this scholarship to this school she'd never heard of called Stanford University, (laughs) which cracks me up. Um, She's an underachiever, that one. And um, she had a mentor there who I really wanted her to name drop because, of course, you know, there are always famous writers at Stanford, but she didn't name drop, but she said that he became a mentor to her, and she said "Um, lots of writing teachers teach you to write about what you know, but he told her to write about what you don't know, write about what you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And she said that she's an escapist reader and an escapist writer. And so that really spoke to her. And she published her first book when she was 21 years old. Wow. And I think she's in her late 60s now and has somewhere in the area of 25 to 30 books. Mm. She's written um, YA. She's written one or two nonfiction books, I think. Did she um, write
1: The Red Tent? Was no, it? No, that's okay. Anita
0: Diamant. Okay. That's right. a great book, too. No, she did not write that. Mm. She's uh, a breast cancer survivor, so she talked about how she notices that her books have a theme of survivorship, mm-hmm. which I hadn't really thought about until she said that. And this most recent book of hers, Faithful, is definitely a story of um, survivorship. And I, when I tell people about it, I give, I say it, it has. It's a story of three R's. It's about regret, reinvention, and redemption. And um, this isn't too much of a spoiler. There's a, a terrible car accident at the very beginning of the book and it's teenagers in a car accident, and one of them ends up in a coma. They were best friends, and so the the story centers around the the young woman who was the driver and who survives, I'm saying that with air quotes, because mm-hmm. obviously she's got tremendous damage to her psyche, and so the book then, um, I think it's it, it takes about a 10-year period of time as she... Matures, which we all do in our twenties anyway, but she's mm-hmm. maturing after this terrible accident and experience in her life, yeah. and um, it takes place in um, in Long Island and New York City. So it's a bit of a love letter to New York City about every other page she eats Chinese food so I never have craved Kung Pao chicken as much as I have in my life it's kind of like when I read the girl with the dragon tattoo series and all I wanted to do was smoke cigarettes and drink coffee neither of which I do (laughs) so this was like and I had the opportunity to ask Alice Hoffman a couple questions which was like a dream come true for me to speak to her and um and when I got up to the microphone I said, you know, I've never craved Chinese food as much as <laughs> I have in this book and she said, it's kind of a New York thing because the woman's always ordering carry out which, you know, yeah. I'm not sure I can I I lived in a small town before I moved here. I definitely couldn't get carry out Chinese food there. Mm-hmm. I there's probably a place that delivers to us around here. I'm, I'm a little afraid to find out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's a place that delivers. Be yeah. Interesting. To, yeah. Would it yeah. be interesting to find out? No. I I, mean, I actually got my first pizza delivery the other day, and I was, like, I live um, down this, in this really strange, it's not a strange cottage, but it's a strange little long driveway. It's a little hard to find. Mm-hmm. People don't know where my house is, and so when this kid showed up with a pizza, I was like, you're my new yeah. best friend. Yeah, good for him. Wow. <laughs> so, anyway, so that's Alice Hoffman. I got to hear her speak in New York. It was great. I'll post a picture of, of me and Alice. My new bestie on our website. And on Twitter too. We're, we yeah, have a Twitter that's account. Right. We should mention
1: that. It's very simple. It's Book Cougars. Yeah. Find us on Twitter.
0: Oh, so you're not supposed to say at Book Cougars? People know that. I'm a Twitter novice. What do novice. you say? Novice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you have to say at Book okay. Cougars, but that's our handle, Book yeah, Cougars. That's our handle. That's we have a handle.
0: <laughs> and then our website is com, yeah. And so we'll also post pictures of um, our little literary adventures, adventures there yeah. as well. And the picture's really funny because... Part of the series of these authors, they had Ruth Bader Ginsburg come and speak, which I wish I had known. And so there's a picture of me standing next to Alice Hoffman with Ruth Bader Ginsburg (laughs) above my head. Awesome. So me just hanging out with RBG. (laughs) Nice trinity there. (laughs) 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 yeah all right so while my
1: latest literary adventure um what two weeks ago i think i went up to pittsfield massachusetts up in the berkshires to visit herman melville's house Uh, arrowhead is the name of his house up there and that is where he wrote moby dick and Mm -hmm. several of his other novels he's it was one of his most well it was his most prolific period living in that home called Arrowhead it was part of a farm he actually worked the land and in the distance you could see Mount Greylock and Mount Greylock when it's covered with snow kind of resembles a white whale so lore has it that seeing Mount Greylock was his inspiration for the white whale uh-huh. And uh, it's a really great literary area. Uh, Edith Wharton's house is just on the road. Nathaniel Hawthorne spent time up there. W.E.B. Du Bois. Du Bois? Du Bois. Sounds good to me. Or Du Bois. Du Bois. Du Bois, I think maybe. Or Du Bois, if you're from D-b-o-y. Ohio. <laughs> His home isn't there, but uh, an organization has purchased the land, land that his house had been on, um, the family homestead. And so they're right now actually developing a literary center to commemorate him and to continue getting his work out there in the world.
0: Did his house burn down? I don't know. I don't don't know. know. I,
1: I looked at their website. I didn't see... Any information about what happened, I think it was just, I I have no idea. Do you know, know, did it say anything about how long it took him to write Moby Dick? It did not. It didn't say how long it took. I know uh, the tour guide, Peter, was very informative. I went on the last day that they were open for public tours. It was a Monday, and the day before, they had had a huge snowstorm. Got about 12 inches of snow, so they were closed the day before, and weren't even sure if they should open the next day. Um, but when I showed up, they were like, hey, we made the right decision. Someone came. Oh, good. Um, so what was your question? <laughs> how long it took him to write <laughs> the book. Long, oh, yeah. How I know how it long it takes some people
0: to read the book, but I don't know um, how long it took him to write it.
1: I don't know, but they did. See, he did say that... Um, Nathaniel Hawthorne and Melville went for for walks and they had a very important uh, relationship mentor. Hawthorne was a big mentor for Melville and supposedly Hawthorne said to him, don't write a children's book. Apparently what he had at that point was too simple for Hawthorne. So um, Hawthorne was very instrumental in upping the literary quality Hmm. of, of the story that Melville had initially been writing. And have you read Moby Dick? I have read Moby Dick. I'm one of those weirdos who love the book. Yes. <laughs> I I actually I made it through college and graduate school without reading Moby Dick, which is really Sad commentary. Yeah. <laughs> not so much on, on, my, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not on my education, but on myself, probably. Um, but I, I finally came to it when I was in my early 30s. I finally thought, I, I want to read Moby Dick, and I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I read it when I did and not in a classroom mm-hmm. environment, because I think it's a kind of book that you need to take your time with. So if you feel like you want to rush through something to get to another book, it's probably not the time to start Moby Dick. Or if you feel like you have to write a twenty-five page paper on it, right? Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I I loved it when I read it, and I read around that same time. I don't know if it was before or after, but I had read Nathaniel Philbrick's. Oh God, what is the title
0: of that book? Oh, I have it written down. Hold on. It's something. We just saw. We we saw Nathaniel Philbrick in the summer. We did. Yes, we went to see him the whale ship Essex but then it no No. because it has in the heart of the sea the tragedy of the whale ship Essex that's it yeah yeah so
1: that that's a great read if you're looking for some good quality non-fiction um it's about the true life story of the whale that sunk a whaling vessel that Melville Mm -hmm. slightly based his story on because Melville Melville was a, a sailor that's how he started out as a young man, and some of his early novels were very successful about
0: sailing. So it's interesting. I wonder how he ended up because his house is up in the mountain. It and is. Not it's not up in the, in the Berkshires. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He ended up there because his brother
1: lived up there. Okay. Um, and his okay. his father, Melville's father, was not a good businessman, and neither was Melville. But his brother was fairly fairly successful, and he had gone up with his family to visit, and they they fell in love with the area and purchased the home. I think they got the loan from Melville's wife's husband. Okay. Oh, <laughs> father-in-law, sorry. <laughs> she was not a polygamist. So that's how they ended up there. And they lived there for I don't remember how many years, but it wasn't where he died. Okay. Okay. But it's it's a neat place to visit and Mount Greylock has a a long tradition in American literary history and thanks to J. K. Rowling it now is uh, they're getting a bit more literary tourism up there because the North American School for Witchcraft and Wizardry, as represented in Magical Beasts, the new film, is on Mount Greylock. Oh my! Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. So huh. there, there's not a school there, but the fictional story places it
0: there. Good luck with that yes. literary adventure <laughs> if you head up Mount Greylock. I wonder if they're going to start. If people are going to start wanting to do like, you know, they have hypes already. Up yeah. There, really. um,
1: Peter, the the to at Arrowhead, said that they they saw an increase in tourism this wow. summer already because of the movie. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so that's funny. So. So that was my latest adventure. If you're interested in seeing pictures of it, I, I did write a blog post about it on wildmoobooks.com if you want to check it out. Oh, very good. Upcoming jaunts. Upcoming jaunts. Yeah. Upcoming jaunts. We have a joint jaunt coming yes. up.
0: <laughs> Which is nice because I don't think we've gone on a joint jaunt in a long time. Yeah, it's
1: been a, it's been a while. It feels like
0: it has. It, well, it's Maybe been it since has. Ruth Franklin. Oh I right! Think. When we got the idea to do a podcast, yes, that's yeah. right. That fateful road trip. That's that we right. Were on, yes. Right. Yeah. Ruth Franklin. Her book. The name of her book was um, Shirley Jackson. Yeah, a haunted life. I the think. haunted life of Shirley Jackson. Yeah. And that book. Did I tell you this already? It just yeah. made the New York Times 100 Notable Books of 2016. Very cool. So good for her. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah so, so our upcoming, next, John, our next sorry. joint, John. <laughs> joint, John. <laughs> We are going to see Wally Lamb. Yay! Yay! December 14th. It's an event sponsored by um, the independent bookstore, One Town Over in Madison, Connecticut, R.J. Julia's Booksellers. Mm -hmm. We're very lucky here. We actually have two independent bookstores, which we're very fortunate, right? And there's one called Breakwater Books in Guilford, right on the Guilford Green. And then R.J. Julia Booksellers in Madison. And they have somewhere of, like, 250 events yeah. a year or something. They are a powerhouse in the yeah. bookstore. Yeah. yeah. And um, since Wally Lamb is a Connecticut author, um, when they bring in large authors, they have a tendency to move them to either one of the big churches on the green in Madison or he's drawing such a crowd that they're actually hosting this event at the Madison Beach Hotel, which is mm-hmm. a big she hotel that I have not personally had the chance to go to. So I'm excited to see him, and I'm excited to see the inside of this fancy pants hotel. Yeah, I've never been inside. I've just been in their parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Wishing you had an excuse to go inside. <laughs> well, they have.
1: A, there's a nice little dr- uh, drive up to the water, so you can park okay. there if, if you can get a spot. I know on the weekends it's really crowded, and then you can walk along there. It's a nice rocky area. Okay, to hang out. I think I've always been afraid
0: because there's some there's like a little person sitting in a booth oh. right over there. Maybe I'm thinking of a different parking lot, but I thought I don't think I have the right pass or the right size pocketbook yeah. <laughs> to pull into that parking lot. I don't lot, remember so. seeing a little. Okay. Thing, but maybe it's the maybe it's the parking lot. Maybe we're thinking two different places yeah. too.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe. I know it's the Madison Beach Hotel, but maybe it's the other side of it or something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so we're gonna see Wally Lamb. So yeah. maybe my next audio book could be his current book oh, if I yeah. could get to that before then. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's cool we'll idea. see. No promises. Yeah. I, I <laughs> Oh, I'm no, sorry. I, okay. okay. So this is interrupting the flow of our segments. But in the first part of the podcast that you listen to, us figuring out what we're doing and who we are, <laughs> I mentioned uh, Gretchen Rubin. Yeah. And I never said I, I think I said I'm in a Gretchen Rubin and then nothing ever happened <laughs> after that. But I, I'm in a bit of a Gretchen Rubin kick. Okay. Because of Emily. Emily started talking one day about her types that she has, right? The four types and you four can tendencies, she Four tendencies. Four tendencies, yeah. yeah. And I did the quiz, and it turns out I'm a rebel. I'm an upholder. Yeah. So so we make a great team. (laughs) So I'm a rebel. So anyway, my point being that to say that I'm going to listen to something or read something next, It's always with a grain of salt because as soon as I say I want to do something, even if I'm really excited about it, when the time comes around to do it so often, I just rebel against myself and I
0: don't do it. And I'm the opposite. If I say I'm going to do something, I won't sleep 48 (laughs) hours before I told someone I would have it done because I told them I would have it done. So, um, yeah, we make a really good team. Yeah, so we're going to balance each other out here a little bit. Yeah, and Gretchen Rubin, um, this is a little bit of a tangent, but she's written several books, and one of them was called The Happiness Project, and then she has a different book that's about these tendencies, Mm -hmm. but she and her sister also do a really cool podcast that's called The Happiness Project. Is that right? Or the Happiness Podcast, I think? No, I listen to it. Yeah, and um, and they talk a lot about the tendencies. And I think you can go to, I think it's GretchenRubin.com where they have um, the quiz that you can do. It's just called Happier, actually. Their Happier. podcast okay. is just called Happier. Happier with Gretchen Rubin, but it's oh, right. actually with her sister as well, so Thanks it's for kind looking of fun. Yeah. yeah, I just started listening to the podcast
1: too. I've been, I think I've listened to two episodes. I've enjoyed yeah. it.
0: I like it a lot. It's a good one, and um, I highly recommend it. It's kind of a feel good. It's um, it's not really about books, I and mean, occasionally they talk about books. They do. Mm-hmm. They've had some authors on, but anyway, mm-hmm. that yeah, was a little yeah. yeah. And then I also I have another jaunt that I'm doing independent of Chris which is going to a Speak Up event in New Haven. Um, This is uh, Matthew Dix, who is an author. You can look him up at matthewdix.com. And he and his wife, Alicia Dix, have started a Speak Up storytelling event and this will actually be my fourth event that I've gone to. Okay. And I think the first literary adventure you and I did was we went to Edith, the Edith Wharton House. Mm-hmm. The Mount. The Mount. And then we went in the horse stables. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes. the event was in her horse stables. Right, yes. which was
0: freezing. It yeah. was this time, about this time, I think, December, January. And um, it they hosted, I think, six storytellers. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy that Kind of um, event, and he's uh, Matthew Dix is a moth Grand Slam winner and a storyteller. He hosts storytelling workshops. Mm-hmm. My wife's taken some of his workshops and really enjoyed That's them. Right. Yeah, because they, I think he and his wife live in Hartford, the Hartford mm-hmm. area. Yeah,
1: the yeah. he does workshops. I think all over the place. I think it depends. Okay. I
0: think she's done two more up towards Hartford. Okay,
1: but I could have. I thought he might have had something in New Haven. Once upon a time, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, he kind of gets around. This is this will be the closest event we've gone. To the um, other, Chris and I went to two speak up events together. We went to the one at the Mount and then we went to one in Hartford and yeah. then I took my son Jacob to one in Norfolk. And so <laughs> I, I'm not saying that correctly. There's some way to say yeah. that in this state that I don't know how well, to pronounce. Yeah, I'm familiar with the Virginia, Norfolk, because that's where my wife is
1: from okay. originally, Norfolk. Well, okay. you have to have the, the the Tidewater accent to get it right okay which I don't but I can tell you this um their high school the Norfolk high school down there their one of their cheers used to be we don't drink we don't smoke
0: nor fuck nor fuck wow so yeah (laughs) I don't know how I feel if my daughter was doing that cheer or my son for that matter well it's really funny because
1: Laura's so not the sweary drinking smoking kind of person but that was you know high school
0: for you that's what they all said and did (laughs) yeah
1: so yeah i don't so anyway, really know how to pronounce
0: it here in Connecticut, yeah i don't so. either but i'm glad that his next one's in new haven because yeah. i know how to say that <laughs> and it's going to be on december 15th and if you're interested in looking up his events they also have a website speakupstorytelling.com so Excellent. i guess at our on our uh, future podcast we'll talk about these events we will yes yeah. we'll have we'll some follow-up yeah. yeah yeah we'll definitely do that yeah So do you want to talk about any upcoming reading you plan to do, Chris? Well, sure. My rebel my rebel self has this
1: idea right now that I want to finish three books that I started that are currently languishing on my Goodreads currently reading page. Um, one of them, it's called The Title of Chicago Whispers, A History of LGBT Chicago Before Stonewall.
0: Oh, Stonewall. Wow.
1: Ugh, can't talk. Um the the author is Saint Suki Delacroix wow that's a that's a mouthful yeah it is a mouthful totally uh so chicago whispers in And it's great. uh, The author was a a writer for a local LGBT paper and did short pieces on a lot of people in different time periods and whatnot. So this is kind of a collection of a lot of those. And they're really interesting. I don't know why I got away from it, but I, I would like to finish that by the end of the year. Another book I started way early this year is called Stone by Stone, The Magical History of New England's Stone Walls. And that's by Robert M. Thorson. It's a really neat look at New England stone walls, which we have a ton of them here in Connecticut. There's a really neat one right by
0: where you guys live
1: when yeah. I'm driving to your house. Yeah. yeah, there's some really neat ones. And I, I love the book. He starts off by talking about the geological similarities between England and New England, which I never knew about. Like, I never put two and two together. Yeah. Uh, I just always thought it was place names. But actually, a lot of these place name, names actually look like the place that they're named after in England. So I, I want to get back to that book. And I started reading that one for um, Blogger Challenge, uh, Read New England. Uh-huh. Yeah, from uh, Laurie's Emerald City book review. So um, I'd like to get back to that. And then the last book is Women Crime Writers, Four Suspense Novels of the 1940s. And that's by Sarah Weinman. And I read the first novel that's in that, Laura, by Vera Caspary, and I love that novel. It's one of my top reads of the year. I saw the movie, too. I've watched the movie twice, and I want to reread the book already. Uh, It was just Mm. such a a pleasant surprise. It was just full of, like, snappy, witty, great energy. Mm. I I enjoyed it very much. I've heard of that
0: book. I've never read it. It's really good. And this was your first read? when you read it. This yes. Year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. first time I read that. So. so there are three more novels, like novellas or full no, novels. No, they're
1: they're full novels, but oh. you know, they're probably on the shorter side and I know Laura has been there. I mean there's a lot of editions of Laura floating out there. When I was in a mystery bookstore up in Maine this summer, he had like two different editions of Laura. Okay. Um so it's out there to buy as a standalone, but yeah, this is a collection of four novels. Suspense books mm-hmm. and Weinman put one out on the 1940s and the 1950s, which also has four books in it, and it's through the Library of America.
0: Oh, great! So, yeah, it's a great series. So you and your rebel self, if you tell someone you're going to read these books, does that make it a little bit no, more No, that likely? could just make it worse.
1: Okay. <laughs> that could just be like, that could just make it worse. And then self-loathing kicks in. Oh, and, no. You know, yeah. You know, and I
0: mean, we only really have three yeah. weeks left in the month. So I know, I don't, I don't yeah. want to remind you of that, but that's a book a week. So, and one of them is three books in the book. So. I know. Yeah. So we'll see. So oh, I wish well. you well. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like that perennial wishful bookish yeah. thinking. Like, sure. all these books,
1: you know, so many yeah. books, so yeah. long time, so...
0: Well, my my vis- vision of this upcoming reads segment of our podcast is that um, some of it is daydreaming because mm-hmm. I have a tendency to bring home, you know, five books from the library yeah. and have plenty of books already on my TBR shelf. So some of the books I think we'll mention in this and probably won't be mentioned yeah. as books that we've finished yeah so that's well, okay yeah,
1: and so much of it is it's the right book at the right time yeah
0: I've, that's I've, you very know, true yeah 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 I learned that when I was in a book club and you know the thing I love about being in a book club is you read books that you wouldn't necessarily otherwise either know about or read because mm-hmm. they're just maybe not your style but I've also learned that if you're reading a really dark you know wintry book in February it sometimes isn't really where you want to be because yes. you're already living that, that <laughs> yeah. dark dreariness. So I get what you're saying. So I, too, have three books on my upcoming reads. And um, one of them is a memoir called Girl with the Lower Back Tattoo <laughs> by Amy Schumer. Um, I did start reading that the book over the weekend. It's hilarious. Um, I shouldn't be surprised. I mean, obviously, a comic is a writer, you know, and mm-hmm. she has this comedy show, which I have to admit, I've never watched a full episode of her show, but I've definitely watched YouTube clips of, Mm -hmm. you know, segments of her show that go viral. And um, she's a really great writer. She's very funny. It's very thought provoking. And she also... You know, I have a little bit of a bad attitude about these young people who write memoirish books. And I think, you know, what do you possibly have to say? (laughs) You know, you're 20 years old or whatever. But she actually, you know, really is thoughtful. And it's a very much a a female empowerment book Mm -hmm. and... Um, she also has, because it, at the, when she was writing the book, she was also doing the tour for her movie Trainwreck, and that's when there was a, a shooting at a theater showing mm-hmm. Trainwreck, which I totally forgot about, and mm-hmm. two women were killed. So there's actually a chapter in the book um, where she talks about those two women, and then she talks about how it encouraged her to get involved in the fight for gun control in this country. Mm-hmm. So, so she has some valuable things to say. Yeah, so I had to powerful. put my some of my bad attitude in my back pocket, you know. <laughs> um, so again, that's "Girl with the Lower Back Tattoo" by Amy Schumer. Just the title alone is hilarious. It totally, is. You know? it's awesome. And then I'm also reading. You gave you lent me this book, "Big Magic" by Elizabeth Gilbert mm-hmm. of Eat, Pray, Love, Fame yeah it's a book about creativity Mm -hmm. and i'm hoping that it's my kind of the end cap to my year um That would be a
1: great book, I think, to end the year with. It's one, uh, my friend John Valerie recommended that. Uh, You know, I've seen it everywhere. Like, it it got a lot of great promotion and and great buzz and everything. Um, But I've read a lot of books about creativity and writing, and I just thought, do I really need another one?
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: But John, who also reads a lot about writing, said, no, it's it's different. You know, he's like, I totally, highly recommend it. So I did. I read it, and I listened to it on audio, and I really enjoyed it. And she does the audio. Right. Elizabeth Gilbert does
0: the audio, which sometimes can be risky when an author does their own. But you said it was really good. Yeah, it
1: made me like her a lot, I have to say, because I'm one of those who was kind of resistant to the whole eat pray love phenomenon. It's I think it goes back to my bookseller days where, you know, what's really popular must not be good. So And then they're just, uh, and I didn't like the movie. I didn't appreciate the movie. So, but I, I've kind of, I have a little bit of a writer crush on Elizabeth Gilbert now because oh, of the good. audio. I really, I enjoyed her voice. Her, uh, it's great. She does a wonderful job of, I think, just being herself and, mm. quote, reading the book. Yeah, You know, she she acts it more than just reads it, which is something I've heard, of people when they, you know, they do do that. Sometimes if they wrote the book and they're doing the audio, it just sounds like they're reading it right. and not performing it.
0: Yeah, yeah, but
1: she does yeah. a good job. Yeah, she
0: does. I, I happen to be a fan of Eat, Pray, Love and her other book. Um, I think it's called Last Man in the Wild. She's actually, mm-hmm. she's a really good writer, and her book Signature all, of All Things, her fiction book Signature of All Things, was a fantastic, mm-hmm. fantastic book. So. And didn't she
1: write one about divorce, too? I think she did. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I think she did. I think did. she talks about that. She's really good friends with Anne Patchett. Yes. Yeah. So she talks a bit about their friendship and how that started and how it really blossomed due to letter writing, which I think is oh, fabulous to hear. Man,
0: I'd like to write letters with the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> I have author crushes on both of them. The name of that book of hers was The Last American Man. Okay. I don't think that's what I said. That's a fantastic book also. That was before the whole Eat, Pray, Love okay. phenomenon. So, And then the third book that I have in my upcoming reads is because of my Biblio adventure to see Alice Hoffman, someone asked her the classic question of which is your favorite book that you wrote, mm. and um, she said it was her book Seventh Heaven, which um, – I am sure I've read because I've read all of her books. I don't remember reading it. She said she has an affinity for it because it's about a single mother and her mother was a single mother and I too am a single mother, um, and so I've never, never reread a book. Wow! Oh. But I'm going to give it a go. I don't think it'll be hard work because it's Alice Hoffman, and because, like I said, unless it starts to come bubbling up into my memory as I'm reading it, yeah. I don't think I remember it. I think it was written a long time ago. So I, I love rereading. I, I hope you enjoy the experience because I think books can grow with you mm. when they're yeah. well done. Yeah. I should That's a caveat. I should say I don't remember ever rereading. Yeah. There's a good chance that <laughs> I reread a book somewhere in my, you know, 48 years and I just didn't remember it the first time. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'm interested to see because I also think, um, you know, it might speak to me now that my kids are, you know, 25 and 22 and mm-hmm. I've raised them. I don't know what the story's about, but, um, you know, being a single mother... Is an interesting adventure, and mm-hmm. so I'm curious to, to read what the book is about. So so those are my upcoming reads. All right,
1: and so everybody, you might hear about these books in the future, or you might not. Right. But there you have it. Or
0: maybe you'll read them and then write to us and tell us and how we- you enjoyed them since we yeah. didn't get to them. no, and, you know, and if you want
1: to do that, we do have an email address. Oh, yes, it's we do. It's bookcougars at gmail.com. So send in your questions or ideas, ideas? Comments. Comments. Anything you want to say. Yeah. Ideas, of, uh, thoughts about a book that you read.
0: Whatever. Yeah. We're here. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you again. In- Where we're going to talk about holiday books. Holiday books. Well, yeah, holiday gift
1: giving, not holiday yeah. books. But- I think we're going we're gonna to do our top ten favorites yes. of 2016. Not necessarily books from 2016 but books we read right. in 2016 and then right. some holiday gift recommendations.
0: Yes, and I even have some ideas for things that aren't just books oh, cool. for my gift recommendations. All right. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear about them. Yeah. All right. Take All right. care, bye everybody.
1: <laughs> wow. Wow.